this week on Missions Today. I remember running to the altar, surrendering my life to Jesus. And it wasn't just um, a surrender of my heart. It was a surrender of my vocation. It was a sur- it was total lordship. And I didn't quite understand what that meant at that moment, but God completely revolutionized my life. And so from that moment on, I was like the little missionary in school. I'd go to school early and sit in the parking lot so I could, you know, pray for everyone who passed my car. And um, who would have known that God would have um, called me to work in one of the most hostile regions of the world towards the gospel? Who would have known? It's a common phrase from the guests on this program who look back at their lives and see how far the Lord has brought them. Hi, I'm Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. As you just heard, our guest this week, Dr. Jen Murph, began her faith journey sold out to the Lord. She never imagined, though, that the years and years of learning, training, teaching, research would lead her to take the helm of an international organization dedicated to helping build solid Christian leaders in the Middle East and Africa. But that's just what happened. And she says it is a blessing beyond her wildest imagination. Dr. Jen Murph is the president and CEO of MENA Leadership Center, and her story, though unexpected, is just another example of what God can and will do with someone whose heart is dedicated to Him. Here's Dr. Jen Murph on Missions Today. Hey, Dr. Murph, welcome to the program. Nice to be here with you today. Thank you for having me. Well, we have so much to get to today, and I want to just start with a little bit of information about the MENA Leadership Center. Give us a little history about this. So first, let me just share with you about our mission. You know, our mission at the Leadership Center is to bridge gaps uh, and expand the capacity of already existing high-impact Christian leaders throughout the greater Middle East. And, you know, this all started um, about 10 years ago when uh, a group of philanthropists that already were pouring tons of money into the region wanted to assess leaders and ask them, outside of funds, what do you need? How can we support the thriving church in the greater Middle East? And 11 topics surfaced. These uh, topics went from anywhere between uh, women in society to capacity building to religious freedom. And in 2019, I was approached by these philanthropists and they said, Jen, would you take our research and build a strategic plan and launch a leadership center. So I began to put the pieces together by looking at their data. And, you know, I didn't stop with just looking at their data. I went to the leaders on the ground who are, you know, knee deep and doing ministry. And I wanted to confirm and build relationship and dig a little deeper. And that's how the MENA Leadership Center started. We started by listening to the needs of people on the ground, rather than just assuming we understood what was going on. Uh, God has been doing incredible things, and the center is thriving. Before we get too far, I want to make sure everybody knows what MENA stands for. Can you explain that to us? Yes, great question. MENA stands for Middle East, North Africa. And as you began this process and you got involved, obviously you said you were looking at the data and and finding out what those needs were, talking to the people on the ground. And I love that because that's very much one of the principles that we talk about a lot here on Missions Today is not just going in and doing things we want to do in in different parts of the world, but engaging the people there and learning what's most needed. 
in those areas. Talk for a moment about what the engagement is with leaders from your perspective. What kind of things do the lead, uh, MENA Leadership Center do to engage with leaders that uh, you ultimately work with? We specifically work with already existing high-impact ministries. They're already doing work that is of high impact, and we want to come alongside of them and fill gaps within their organization to help them have a greater acceleration of their mission towards reaching more people with the gospel. Um, and so we focus on organizational operations. We focus on helping them create opportunity for more digital engagement. And then we help organizations have greater impact in the society through our societal transformation track. Each one of them help uh, build their capacity and help accelerate their mission. Talk for a minute about the need in uh, the MENA region, Middle East and North Africa. What's the need for ministry as you look at that? Well, ministry is thriving in the greater Middle East. You know, we don't hear about what God is doing. We watch the news and we see uh, issues that plague the land, but we don't actually hear what God is doing. And revival is happening. And ministries are looking uh, to organizations like the Leadership Center to help give them direction, to help. Um, now, when I say help them give direction, I don't mean a whole bunch of white Americans giving them direction. My team is full of people from the MENA that have a pulse on what God is doing. And so one example of a course that we offer is advanced religious freedom. You know, religious freedom is something that we as Americans have the privilege of having. However, people in the Middle East, depending on which country, that's under fire if it exists at all. And so the MENA Leadership Center has a course that helps them understand the laws in their own particular countries. And then we help them develop a strategy around those laws so that if they get a knock on their door or if they have a radio show that gets hammered by the government, they know what to do and they know their rights. Um, we have courses that focus on understanding and ministering to refugees. Uh, you look at Lebanon and in Jordan, where there's been a huge number of refugees that have fled Syria or other countries, and there's there's a problem there. Sometimes they don't have peers that are in the same space to really think about what's working and what's not working. And so these are the type of you know challenges that ministries are facing that we help walk alongside of them to solve. So just to clarify, I want to make sure I understand the the breadth of what you're doing. Is it specifically leadership training only, or is there a part of the organization that also helps with the philanthropic side? Are you helping support some of these ministries and organizations? We specifically equip. We equip by providing courses and training, coaching and mentorship um, so that ministries can kind of fill the gaps within their organization. And I assume a lot of that takes place online since you're dealing with people around the world. Give us a, an idea of what this engagement looks like in, in a leadership class, so to speak. So when we started the Leadership Center, we started in March of 2020. So we all know what happened in March of 2020. The world shut down. So we had plans to actually do on-site programming, and we had to pivot quickly. Um, so we do provide online classes. 
but we understand that we work in a relational context. They want to sit, our friends want to sit and drink tea and uh, eat yummy food and talk about family and, and life. And so we can't abandon the face-to-face -face for online, though we do provide about 90% of our courses online. Are you looking now that it seems the pandemic, at least for a while, is beginning to kind of lessen are you looking to get back into that concept of more face-to-face, -face, more in-person gathering and training? Yes, absolutely. Um, we did a training a month ago in Egypt focusing on the digital church, and it was incredible. We had one of the ministries that we were serving launch the first online digital church to the deaf, the Arabic-speaking deaf community. And Everyone in the room just stood up and like applauded this ministry. There was none of its kind. They're one of the most unreached people groups throughout the greater Middle East, where it was is the deaf community. And to see these ministries gather in one place and celebrate one another and encourage one another and learn from one another, you know, while online is not preferable um, in some places, you know, it's, it's the only thing that they can do. It's what's possible. Um, but we love being in person and just connecting with people face to face. I'm going to come back to the MENA Leadership Center, but I want to go a little deeper with your background. I'm assuming this is not kind of what you planned to do as you were growing up as a, as a young person, as a teenager. You probably weren't expecting to be leading the MENA Leadership Center. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years and how you came to faith. Well, you know, I didn't grow up in a, a household of faith. God... I call it my Damascus Road experience. I was driving home from school one day and I heard the voice of the Lord telling me he wanted to become Lord of my heart. I didn't even know exactly what that meant. I remember calling a friend and of course I didn't tell them what I experienced driving home from school, but I called my friend and I said, I would like to go to a church. And so uh, this friend says, well, meet me at this church. So I went to that church and he never showed up by the way. But I remember running to the altar, surrendering my life to Jesus. And it wasn't just um, a surrender of my heart. It was a surrender of my vocation. It was a sur it was total lordship. And I didn't quite understand what that meant at that moment. But God completely revolutionized my life. And so from that moment on, I was like the little missionary in school. I'd go to school early and sit in the parking lot so I could, you know, pray for everyone who passed my car. And um, who would have known that God would have um, called me to work in one of the most hostile regions of the world towards the gospel? Um, and he's been preparing me my whole life, but I didn't necessarily choose the Middle East. <laughs> I think God, I think God uh, uh, put it in my lap. And I actually thought I was building the leadership center for someone else to run, to be quite honest. I, um, I ended up stepping out of my academic. I was a professor at both Regent University and at the King's University. I stepped out of the physician's teaching to work on the center full time to give it my attention. And I just thought I was building it for someone else to, to run. And uh, here I am three years later and could not imagine doing anything else but this. Now, in those years of, of school, you talked about sitting in your car praying for those uh, students once you came to know Christ. Did you ever at that point think about, you, you even 
categorized yourself kind of as a missionary to those around you. Did you ever feel like you would be in full-time mission work or full-time Christian service? Was that in your mindset from those early days? Oh, from the beginning. As soon as the Lord captured my heart, I surrendered my vocation and my calling to Him. I went off to Bible school right after high school, went to Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. And when I got married, I got married young. I was 21. My husband was 23 or 24. And a year after we got married, um, he was already in ministry when we got married. And a year after we got married, we moved to Vienna, Austria, where we served at an Afghan Farsi-speaking congregation in Vienna, Austria, which is just funny. It shows the scarlet red of the MENA and of that area of the world that God was lacing his plans for our life. Even though my husband's fluent in German, we were there to actually serve the German-speaking population, and we ended up at a Farsi-speaking church. And so we kind of just laugh about that. And then one thing led to another and ended up going to, to graduate school. And my neighbor was from Jordan, from Amman. And just one thing after another, it's like God kept bringing the Mina, like surfacing, just bringing it to the top. Um, that's incredible. And, and I, it's a story I hear so many times as I'm talking to people involved in ministry, how some little thread is woven through their life, uh, leading to some of the work they're doing now. That's that's exciting to see how God works during that. Well, I, I see uh, that you have uh, trained uh, hundreds of leaders, uh, 28 nations impacted, 134 ministries equipped, and I'm sure that number is growing every day. Let's talk a, about a few of the stories maybe that you're hearing. You you shared one just a few minutes ago about the impact of this Arab-speaking, deaf online church. What an amazing thing that is, just because of the uh, the specificity of that group that they were trying to reach. Uh, why don't you share another story or two with us about some of the folks you're working with? We have two classes that just ended. One was on the digital church, and one was on religious freedom. And in this class, there was a, a fellow from Kurdistan who wanted to start a digital church. And so we worked with him. He went through all of our classes. He started a digital church. And within the first few months of his digital church that was going, like, growing very, very fast um, and really brought a lot of attention to him, all of a sudden the police end up at his door. The government were, was wanting to shut down his digital church. But because of the class and having the support from his peers, he was able to navigate how to handle um, the issues that he was facing. And they were able to let him continue with the online church. He's being so bold, like he's more bold than I could ever be. I, I wish I want to be that bold, but he, um, he is just completely sold out to see the Kurdish people following the heart of God and coming to know Jesus. And so those are two stories with, with one guy, but how just all of it connected. And what's really cool is from that course uh, for religious freedom, they started a group outside of the classroom so they could help encourage each other to know what to do when things like this arise. And so it was organic. It was natural. It wasn't something that we as uh, an institution put together, but it was it was participant led under us. I mean, it, this is exactly what we always hoped because, you know, we see ministries in the MENA 
really lack the ability to collaborate. Maybe it's purposeful, maybe it's not purposeful. Maybe it's they're so busy they don't have time to know what their neighbors are doing. But the center really does help ministries that would never be in the same room all of a sudden start collaborating on projects that are changing the face of the Middle East. How do you find organizations and individuals to work with? And is there any kind of screening process to determine this organization meets what we feel like is is the, the proper partnership level or, or an individual? Or are you just uh, open for, for folks who want more training that would be impacting the MENA region? So we have deep relationships with ministries in the region because of most of our staff are from the MENA. And I took that year of just getting to know uh, ministries. That has really helped us build close relationships with ministries on the ground. Also, the the foundation that launched us, um, they were able to connect us with hundreds of ministries. Um, and so that was very helpful, especially at the beginning. Um, we, Like I said earlier, we work with already existing ministries. They're already doing things in the region. And we just meet with them and ask them, what are your needs? Do you see any, any courses here that would help accelerate your mission? Um, many times, you know, we're on, even though we have several hundred participants, we're on a first name basis with them. I don't, we, I hope that we're always like that. But since, you know, um, relationship is really important in the region. And so our, our team really works hard to know what's going on in the lives of our uh, participants. Um, and so we do go through a screening process. Everyone has to apply. Um, they have to go through an application. They have to go through an, uh, an interview. And we do that for multiple reasons. One is we don't want to put the wrong person in the wrong class. And what I mean by that is um, we want to make sure that they can take the class and apply what they're learning so that they can see impact. If they're not ready for a particular class, we'll encourage them to take a different class. Um, numbers, uh, while look great on paper, if numbers don't lead to impact, then it really is a waste of everyone's time. Um, and then we also encourage, um, after we go through the application and interview process, then we allow them to start the class, but we don't let random people just go into the classroom. Um, and we we really encourage people from the Middle East because we uh, provide classes in Arabic, Farsi, Kurdish, and English. And our English participants are, are mostly in our the Pakistan region. So um, we don't just let everyone in. And uh, we really vet our participants well. Yeah, and that's a good thing. I mean, it, it needs to be a good fit. And obviously, you have some specialized training for people, and, and that's important as well. And I assume in the process, you're following up with these folks on an ongoing basis to uh, see how it's helping their ministry or organization. Yes, we do an outcomes-based evaluation after each course, and then we evaluate them um, months later um, we, of course, always ask for feedback on what we can do different from the application process to um, the, the evaluation process from start to finish. We're asking for their feedback um, and then we apply their feedback because we want them to know that we hear them and that we care and that this ministry is to serve the region. 
not serve us. There was a phrase you used that, again, I'm hearing more and more on this program, and that is accelerating mission, that accelerating phrase I love, because it seems, as you look around this world, that uh, uh, times are getting tougher, and maybe we're approaching the end of times, the end days. Uh, Time may be running short, and I think the idea of accelerating impact and accelerating ministry is just so important today. Well, we just have a a short time left. I just want to ask you before we wrap our time together, how can our audience pray for you, your team, and maybe even more specifically those that you're helping uh, fill the gaps with in, in the region of the Middle East and North Africa? So, you know, we have the pleasure of serving some of the greatest leaders on earth. Um, And so, but with that comes spiritual warfare and challenges. So please pray for my team that we can be strong in the midst of uh, difficult things and that we would continue to lean in and listen to our participants and listen to the leaders in the region uh, and be humble uh, as we seek to serve their needs. Dr. Jen and her team are serving those in the MENA region, and those taking the courses are being mentored and seeing some great results at the same time. As an example, I want you to listen to this brief story from a Middle Eastern ministry leader who has begun engaging with some of the leadership courses offered by MENA. Hi, my name is Rasha. I'm a Christian Arab Israeli who lives in Nazareth. Our goal is to equip the students, the body of Christ, and to be people who would influence the campus. So I took four courses actually during, uh, I think a year and a half or maybe less. And I think the first course I took, we had lockdowns. And I, I, I felt like it's an opportunity that it is opening the doors for me to get to know people, to get to develop myself, even when I'm sitting at home and in a lockdown. So that was a blessing. And slowly when I started to take the courses, I realized how the courses were professional the people who mentored and taught and the courses were really professional people who could give professional advice mentor you and give you skills personally each course had different influence and gave me a lot some of them like one course that was more about designing courses online was like a course that really gave me the tools to start a course online and now we're launching the course online for leadership training for our students, which would facilitate more training that we can give the students. We we didn't see that opportunity before the course. I mean, I didn't see the opportunity. I think it was like, yeah, it's there, but, but the course helped me to see that this can be facilitated well, this can be designed in a good way. And also the mentorship that I received after and still receiving to feel that it is not something that I have to do with on my own. I have people who can support me, help me a lot to take the step and do a change or add something or try to do the ministry in ways that would develop the ministry. What a wonderful testimony to the work that Dr. Jen Murph and her team are doing on a daily basis through MENA Leadership Center. Dozens of countries helped, hundreds of people trained, and hundreds more ministries impacted for Christ. Isn't it encouraging to hear stories of God at work around the globe? So often those stories are just lost, but our desire here at Missions today is to make sure that they are told with regularity. You see, God is moving every moment of every day all over the world. 
That's so exciting. But what's more exciting is that God is moving in your world, your surroundings, your life every day as well. Sometimes it's just a matter of looking for Him or asking Him to lead you to the next thing. That's really what Missions Today is all about. You see, it's all about telling stories of God on the move and then challenging you wherever you are in your walk with Christ to get on the move with Him. He has something for you. He's just looking for your willingness and obedience to do it. Now, if you're listening today and this all sounds a bit strange, maybe you don't really know if you even have a relationship with God at all. You know, you can settle that today. The truth of the matter is that we are separated from God by our sin, those things that we do that are wrong. That separation, that gap was filled, though, through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And Jesus ultimately conquered death by rising again. And one day he's going to return to take those that truly know him to a heavenly home, a place he's preparing for us even now. If you've not started a relationship with Christ, today is a good day. If you like, pray the simple prayer with me. There's nothing special about the words or the way I say them. But if you mean these things in your heart, say them to the Lord. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I know that I've sinned. I want to turn away from those things. I believe that Jesus is your son and he died for me on the cross and rose again as a victor over death. I want to ask you today, come into my life and lead me in the days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, we really want to celebrate with you. So would you drop me an email, clambert at missionstoday.com. That's clambert, L-A-M-B-E-R-T, at missionstoday.com. If you already know Christ and would like some more motivation to follow him, I just want to encourage you to listen back to some of the stories we've already told over the last few months of normal people doing extraordinary things. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we're going to talk to a man who learned from an early age the importance of language, and he now uses that knowledge to help lead people to faith in Christ. For more information about our program, you can visit our website at missionstoday.com. That's missionstoday.com. I'm Colin Lambert, and we'll see you next week for Missions Today, a production of Resource Global.